Hi, it's James here. If you didn't hear the last episode of the podcast labelled Special Announcement in Capital Letters, I'm just popping on to let you know that I'm back hosting the podcast. Dan has some personal things to deal with and so for the time being, you're going to have me back. That's not to say Dan won't be back. In fact, you might have your last opportunity for a while to see Dan doing his thing live. He's going to be on stage at the Cheerful Earful Podcast Festival on Thursday the 2nd of November at the Bedford Pub in Ballam. He's going to be joined by the incredibly funny Jenny Eclair. Tickets are under a tenner, so get yourself down there. It's an honour to be back in the driving seat, and this week I'm joined by comedian Tom Horton. He's brought some amazing choices for the island. I can only apologise for me being so giddy throughout the episode. It's just so good to be back. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, I'm James Deacon and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they are a dick is up to our guest. And here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is stand-up comedian, the Honourable Tom Horton. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me, James. Oh, you're very welcome. Tom, talk to me about the title, the Honourable Tom Horton. Like, how did you how did you earn such a title? Well, um, I'm straight away going to admit I did not earn it. I got it by default because uh, my father is um, ex-chief of defence staff, head of the British Armed Forces, former wow. constable of the Tower of London. He was knighted twice, became a baron and a lord. <laughs> and so when he becomes a lord, I I then, because I'm his son, am the honourable. But um, That's incredible. As I always say, I've been sacked from Weatherspoons. I've been sacked from Weatherspoons twice. So <laughs> I, I don't feel like I actually deserve the title. <laughs> How do you how do you even get knighted twice? I didn't even know that was something that could happen. Well, knighted I actually, but uh, yeah, he's now a, he's a grand knight now. Is that what you become after a knight? You become a grand knight. Yes, he wow. grand knight, which then uh, triggered my mum to every morning coming downstairs to breakfast, going, "I had a grand knight last night." It was all no. very good. Mom. <laughs> Outrageous. She's an outrageous woman. I love that. That's brilliant. That is that is top. Um, okay. And the other question I have for you, Tom, is uh, just doing a little bit of research on you. It said on your uh, social media, former Tower of London. I just want to know, what does, what does that mean? I tried to find out online, but I couldn't find anything. So when my dad retired as the Chief of Defence Staff, Head of the Military, the Queen made him the Constable of the Tower of London. So he moved into Queen's House, which is now King's House, uh, Built in 1540-something by Henry VIII for Anne Boleyn inside the tower. And so when I was coming up to London, I um, went, do you know what? I reckon I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to squat in there for as long as I can. So I lived in the Tower of London for six years. Really? That's incredible. What's it like living in the Tower of London? Uh, it's amazing. It's an amazing experience. Massive privilege. Um, it is like living in a museum. There are lots of rules. There's 36 beef eaters walking around, uh, keeping you in check. And obviously you wake up every morning and you've got thousands of people taking pictures of your house. So That is odd. I learned very early on to not walk around, don't walk around naked inside your house in front of any windows. You will get complaints. What, uh, what, what age did you live there? Uh, I moved out last year. So it was sort of my, 
like early 30s. During that time, you are you're going out and you are going to, and having a lovely big big night out with your friends. You wake up the next day horrifically hungover. There's still just 36 beef eaters walking around. How do you deal with that? Well, I, I, I tend to just... Uh pull the pull the curtains and stay inside my room but if i ever have had um, a friend or someone you know got lucky and they've come back it's a hell of a walk of shame uh, i bet it is <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't possibly go to into any more details than that but let's okay. let, I'll, there are there are, there, are, there are some people i've got i mean i even if i've stayed over somewhere else having to walk back um ah. sort of blurry eyed and then oh, master, the gates and say, Master oh, Tom, <laughs> Master Tom, welcome back. Big night out, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Not okay. so honourable. No, no. Well, talking about being not so honourable, <laughs> uh, for this desert island, you've had to choose people and things that you'd least like to be stuck with. Um, and how did you find that process? I found it interesting. I think it good. There were some that came to mind straight away. And then once I'd had that, I sort of also thought like, what would the combination of things all together on this island be like as well? Because it's not just like the individual, how bad they are. It's also how they interact with each other and how they are in the environment with each other. Absolutely. It's really important, I think. I, I think I've created my own personal hell. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's I think great. I've really created a personal hell. Do you know what? I haven't heard them yet, <laughs> but it sounds like you've nailed the brief. Okay. So on that note, who is going to be your first choice for the desert island? Oh, so my first person uh, who has crash landed with me on the island is Michael Ball. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I hate Michael Ball. He annoys me at a level that I can, like, and I know people like him. I know people do. I know he's on this morning and he's a host of stuff and he's all like lovely. But I think he's got. Do you know how people have punchable faces? Yeah. <laughs> I think he's got this. He's got one of the most punchable faces I've ever seen. And I sort of, the way he'd sing songs, there's a smugness to it. Mm. And do you know what? Mm. Um, when the bit that, uh, that really sealed it to me was that when Captain Tom was doing his uh, amazing stuff for the NHS. Yeah. And then somewhere, out of nowhere, Michael Ball slips in <laughs> and starts getting on a number one single with him and telling him, about, oh, my friend, Captain Tom. It's like you've known him for one month, Michael. <laughs> and then he got that poor old man to tr sing You'll Never Walk Alone. And Michael Ball, you know, the trained singer, was banging it out. And then they got that poor old man to be like, let you walk through the store. And I'm like, I and I looked at her like Michael, you opportunistic, horrendous, smug bastard. And so also, that's what he'd be trying to do on the desert island, wouldn't he? He'd be trying to get groups sing-alongs. Yeah, he'd be constantly like doing scales and stuff. And he firstly, excellent choice, okay. I would say. And I, <laughs> I think that um, it's yeah. just it, I'm all for people joining charitable causes if you're a celebrity and you can put a name to something that is that is doing good that's great why not do some good with your with your status but i would say captain tom was doing all right on his own and for some reason michael ball decided he was just gonna get in that slipstream and all of a sudden become the best mate of captain tom i was like it just seems so 
completely unnecessary. <laughs> oh, yeah. And imagine if we were on the desert island, if we were on the desert island, he'd be singing that song for morale, wouldn't he? Oh. He'd be tired. He'd be walking around the desert island and he'd be like, hold your head <laughs> up high. Yeah. Like, I just. I th- How about you bury yours in the sand, Michael? How I, about you do that? I think as well, like I'm all for <laughs> people having talent, but and and like, yeah, sure, you can be good at something, but you are right in the fact of there is a smugness with Michael Ball that you can't overlook, I feel like. So much. Mm. So much. It's that he, every time you see, even when he was in Les Miserables, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, li- uh, yeah. You know, which literally means the miserables. And every song he'd have this cheeky grin on him. It's like, you're in, you're starving in the French Revolution, Michael. Like, don't look like you've just had a nice <laughs> supper and a glass of sherry. Like, just come on. Well, that you're would, Les Miserable, that would, not Les Smug. That would be the difficult thing on the <laughs> island as, as, the, as the months and we, weeks and months go by and you're all withering away. But then he just has, still has this smug look on his face. And you're like, Michael, let us wallow in our own self-pity. Yes, exactly. So it's the smugness. It's the smugness and it's the constant singing for me that would do it. This is excellent. Okay. I feel like you, uh, you've started very, very strong here. <laughs> so, Tom, who's going to be your second choice for the island? Right. I've gone for a really um, uh, random character here. Um, and it's Jeff Goldblum's, Jeff Goldman's boss in Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> Now, right now, oh, let yeah. me just <laughs> tell the listeners for those. Do people, you remember who this yeah, guy is? Yeah, yeah. So, so you very kindly reminded me, and then I went and watched the video, <laughs> and all I needed to see was about two minutes of this video. There is an awful lot to unpack, but like, remind the listeners, should they have forgotten who this person is, who Jeff Goldblum's boss in Independence Day is? In the original Independence Day, Jeff Goldblum uh, works at a. Uh, is he a journalist or is he a firm or something? I think he's a journalist. Yes. And <clears throat> Jeff Goldman's character is called David. And his boss is this quite sort of portly, raspy uh, guy. Who sort of speaks like that? Oh, my God, David, David, <laughs> David, we're going to go. When, when the UFOs arrive, that man does not keep his composure. He He... Just runs around going, David, David, oh my God, David, David. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's, brilliant. it's so good to watch. <laughs> it's stuck with me. And it's, oh my God, I got to call my mother. Yeah. I got to call my housekeeper. I got to call my lawyer. And um, what you don't want in a situation when you're on a desert island, mm. who's someone who can't keep their composure mm. and keep it together. Yes. You've already got Michael Ball singing bloody show tunes. If he's running around singing so soon and the other guy's going, oh my God, we're going to find coconuts. We're going to find a boat. We're going to, we're going to build a, build a bit of a hut. What are we going to, Michael, Michael, Michael. <laughs> it's exactly, it's exactly what would happen. <laughs> the two of them together is a horrendous combination. I think it is. Yes. And also just less specifically about the island and the interplay between him and Michael. When you, when I watched that clip, it, the, the acting is so over the top and it's just like, it's like, it's like someone that has done, done, done two or three drama classes that has then been thrown into the, the sharp pit of like doing <laughs> a scene with Jeff Goldblum. And then there's this bit where he runs up to Jeff Goldblum and like, 
he's like blurts his lines out and Jeff Goldblum is obviously acting back but you can't escape the look on his face is just in disbelief of what he's just witnessed it is unbelievable see Jeff Goldblum I'd love to have on a desert island he'd be great oh oh my god yeah he'd what be, a joy he'd be calm he'd be positive he'd have fun stories he, I bet he could whittle things yeah, he I could, imagine he's whittled yeah. Oh, his songs as well. He does. He now sings jazz, doesn't he? He's the coolest guy, I think. I, I, I think, you know, in that sort of like fantasy dinner party stuff, Jeff Goldman is definitely there. The, the fantasy dinner party is essentially the opposite of this podcast, isn't it? It is. It is exa- almost exactly that. <laughs> That's like the nicest possible thing. <laughs> I feel like that is an amazing character. Just like like the, the panic and the complete lack of any common sense in a moment of uh, distress is is amazing and the the interplay between that character and Michael Ball and yourself like where are you sitting in the middle of these two oh i think i'm walking away to be honest i think i'm walking to the other side of the island just to try and sort of <laughs> gather provisions actually start doing some practical work nice you've watched the island with bear grills once or twice you got it down. oh yeah i've got, got, it. got it i've got it i've got it who is going to be your third person choice for the island the third person and now this is another again i think the perfect trio of annoying characters we've got michael ball the smug won't stop singing mm. the jeff goldman's boss <laughs> independence day panicky annoying voice the my third person is the microsoft paperclip <laughs> I don't, I just don't know. I need you to tell me how you got there first. How did you get to this character? Well, James, I am a dyslexic man. I'm, I'm, I'm dyslexic. I can't spell very well. Right. And so my life has been plagued by this bloody paperclip. Okay. <laughs> that whenever I was trying to write a document or do something, it would pop up and go, it looks like you're trying to do this. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's the most patronizing jobs body admin yeah, yeah. character ever. And it's just like, oh, look, mate, I'm, dis- I'm struggling. It's all hard here. Can you just give me a rest? I'll do it at the end. Mm. So mm. I figure if you're on a desert island, we're tired Things are going to get heated. You're going to have to have conversations. What you don't want is, you know, is there any water? I hope you spelt there, <laughs> T-H-E-R-E. You know, oh, fuck off, paperclip. <clears throat> That's good. It's good. It's the, it's the real, like, <laughs> it's the Hermione Granger sort of yeah. uh, pernickety yeah. uh, yes. character, yes. which is the, the other, the other third th- tr- of the trio that completes the annoyance. I, I think... What what's brilliant about your choices? Firstly, we'll get into the paperclip a little bit more. But what's brilliant about your choices is you've really gone for character. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like it's the way that person would be on the island, and and how difficult it would be to be around those three as they are. Definitely. I mean, I also instead of the uh, Jeff Golden's boss in Independence Day, I nearly had Jar Jar Binks. Oh, yeah, it's a similar sort of like annoying. And um, yeah, then my paperclip would have could have also been Hermione Granger or someone like that. You know, someone you just know that person who's always just like it's Leviosa, not Leviosa. Um, that sort of yeah, stuff. yeah. You, you get them loads on Twitter. I mean, I try and stay off it as much as I possibly can, but you get them on Twitter and they're like 
there with an apostrophe. Uh, the you grammar know, those, Nazis. The grammar Nazis, yeah, those people. It's yeah. right on there. But um, yeah. also, to go to the paperclip more specifically, when you said you were going to choose the paperclip, I just thought, I don't know what angle. I, I'm not sure what the angle is going to be here, but I love the angle that you took with it. I, I, think, it, I think it's brilliant. And it, it obviously affected you so personally growing up. I mean, it did because I, when I started trying to write on uh, Microsoft Word, obviously it was just full of mm. red, red squiggly lines because I couldn't spell. I just, yeah, so this, mm. again, it's quite a smug looking paper clip as well. It's got a little cocky, like, I know everything. It is, yeah. And it's a really like, oh, yeah. do, do, do you need a hand? Are you trying to write a letter? Are you, it looks like you're trying to do an essay. Oh, can I yes, help you? Yes. Oh, it's so patronising. <laughs> it's so patronising. so patronising. And on a desert island, if we're trying to survive here, we're going to get tired. Mm. We're going to get sloppy with our dialogue. We're going to make mistakes. Yes, it's true. We need people who are just going to sort of understand, like, just understand what I'm trying to say. Mm. Don't try and correct every single sentence. It'd be never ending. You need, you need people that can go with the flow <laughs> a little bit, right? And I feel like... Well, maybe Michael Ball can. I'm not entirely sure, but he will try and get something for himself out of it. But I feel like none of these characters can go with the flow. They're not very chilled out characters. No. Uh, I feel like it would be quite an intense experience. No. If we, if I was dying of thirst, and I'd be like, oh, we need to, we need we need to get more water. I said water, <laughs> and then the paperclip would pop up and go. Water's actually spelt with a T. <laughs> yeah. You need tea. <laughs> And then you'd be like, oh my God, where are we going to get the tea from? We haven't got any tea. And then Mike would be like, don't worry, guys. Hold your head up high. And I'd... So far, you've created the perfect hellscape (laughs) of an island. But now, Tom, now mercifully amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. But unfortunately for you, I'm very sorry, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? The food is first Mm, mm. uh, and it's bread and butter pudding. Interesting choice. Okay, talk me through this. This is actually a lot less complicated than the other ones. I just hate it. I I can't eat it. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's a simple... It's when I was at boarding. So I went to boarding school from Mm. six years old Mm. and we would have a variety of varying quality of meals Mm. Mm. and lunchtime would always be a dessert. Mm. Now the top tier ones were cherry pie and custard, apple crumble and custard, Mm. uh, pineapple upside down cake, that sort of stuff. Wow. Traditionally good stuff. Jam, jam roly poly. Oh, this is so what I imagined would be there at boarding school. Sorry. These are exactly the puddings that I would imagine that would be available. It really was that. Rice pudding, Mm. semolina occasionally. Oh, yeah. Bread and butter pudding. Soggy bread with raisins in it. It's just gross. It's gross. And it's the first time I've been physically sick from eating something. I had Mm. to run out of the... The big dining hall, I had to run out and I was sick in the playground. Wow. Um, and since then, I've just never been able to eat it. And I, because it's, it's just stodgy. It's so, some people love it as well. Some people absolutely love it. Are you a fan? 
No, no, I would never choose it. I would never choose it. I have had it on occasion and been like, that's absolutely fine. It's not something I would go for. I am with you. And I do feel like up until very recently, I've I've softened and I, I pretty much eat anything if it's sweet and full of sugar. But the idea of just having soggy bread doesn't make any sense. It has no structure left. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's just like... You can have custard with something that holds its structural integrity, right? Like a nice mm. piece of pie or something like that. That makes sense yeah. to me, right? Because it's got like a nice um, crispy top and it's like it's got its own thing about them. You put custard mm. on bread, it just turns to like a weird mush. Yeah, exactly. If you spilt milk on bread, you'd throw it away. So why would you deliberately? You would. Um, yeah. You wouldn't <laughs> then put some raisins on it and make it into a... Dessert. That's, that's, the raisins that's also – the raisins don't, don't complement it either, I don't think, at all. Um, yeah, and, I, and also, obviously, I, th- I think on a desert island – on a desert island, that would be bad. Uh, that wouldn't be a fun thing to eat. No, it wouldn't. No, definitely. I guess to argue the toss, though, sustenance-wise, that would keep you going, surely. Yes, it would. But quality of life is more important than quantity of life. <laughs> I'd rather die at 60 than uh, live to 80, but be miserable eating bread and butter pudding. That's true. And also <laughs> you think... probably couldn't deal with being sick every other time that you ate, if that's what it does to you, right? I would, I, yeah, I, I would, I, I'd essentially, yes, I'd be sick every time. So I, I wouldn't go down. So the sustenance would be minimal. No. Okay. And so what are you going to wash this awful bread and butter pudding down with? This is uh, a drink that has caused me many problems over the years. It's oh. a, a classic from the sort of noughties going out. It's Cheeky Vimto. Cheeky Vimto. Remind me, what goes into a Cheeky Vimto? Yeah, so it is Smirnoff Ice and Port. Yeah, isn't it WKD Blue and Port? No. Or WD, or w, and you can also put WD, WKD Blue as well, yes. Oh wow! That is that is. There are, there are various there are various like small uh, combinations you can use, but port in an alka pop essentially is what it is, and it, it destroys you. This is a it, this is back in the day when you know you'd have you'd have you'd have like the you'd strawpedo the the re- the reefs and the aquifer yeah. and the yeah. smirnoff ices. Yeah, and everyone would you'd you'd buy like slippery nipple shots and squash yeah. frogs and brain hemorrhages and baby. Do you remember like shop spas used to be a real thing going out? Oh, big time! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do when it. bombs people bombs do them came anymore. about. Yeah, and there was like yeah, exactly. Jaeger bombs became a thing, but then like you'd go out to someone's like go and visit a friend at university, and they'd have like lad bomb or like the um, I don't know like uh, the killer bomb, and it would have like like three yeah. shots of vodka and a and a WKD and a something else and it's just like it was, just became unnecessary. Yeah, I remember that time. Yeah. <laughs> Have you not heard the word strawpedo in a while? I haven't I heard it for ages. Back some just, memories. I just I can feel the <laughs> bottleneck with the straw round in my hand as the thing just disappears down my throat. Yeah, I can remember it. Yeah. Big time. There, there were people the people who could do it in like two seconds. They just open their gullet and it's just gone. Woof. It was amazing. So Cheeky Vimto, um, for a few reasons, it's caused me to be arrested to do illegal activities a few times. Really? <laughs> Talk um, me through it. Streaking. Really? Streaking mainly. <laughs> really? Yes. Uh, I had Cheeky Vimto, yes, in the squash club in Anik, and then broke into Anik Castle. 
Um, you uh, and then the police found us, me and my me and my three friends, completely naked, hiding behind the giant chess set. <laughs> That's amazing. What um, what is it with? Uh, I mean, like we'll get onto this. I think at the end of the podcast, but you seem to have quite a connection with um, with um, like not ancient, but like um, stately homes, like uh, ancient buildings. No, I know they just, they, they just call to me for some reason. You, I've got no idea. You've talked about nakedness in them quite if a few I, times. As whenever well. I see a castle. <laughs> Oh, we have, like, just being naked in castles. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, yeah, everyone's got their thing, I we'll, guess. we'll talk about your podcast at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Although the, um, the, second streak, the second streaking thing, the second streaking thing was um, Tiki Vimto in Kingston, and it was into a Tesco's Express. So that's slightly different. Nice. You've got to, you know, yin and yang. You've got, you're a man <laughs> of the people, really. Gotta balance it out. Okay, cheeky vimpto. Also, that is sickly sweet. That is a that is a really that's a tough old drink. Like, it, if you had to drink that, and that was going to be your only kind of clean drinking water in inverted commas, that is going to uh, after a while, that's going to rot your insides. That's not going to be good. Yeah, it gets you drunk very very quickly. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's no there's no chance. That and bread and butter pudding oh. is, is not a good combination. Oh, that's awful. Okay. It's heavy. It's stodgy. The, yeah. Okay. Cheeky Vimto and a uh, bread and butter pudding are going to be your food choices. Thank you very much, Tom. Now, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work. But just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? So, as my least favourite film, I have selected Cats, the musical. Yeah. <laughs> I can get behind this. Okay. Has anyone else uh, selected this are we yet? Se- are are, we, are podcast, we talking about you know? the original um, on video, or are we talking about the uh, the recent version? Uh, we're talking about the recent version. It, the it, original, mm. which was just filming the stage. Filming the stage, fine. That, that, that was great. Apart from the uh, the trap door in Mr. Mistopheles fails. Um <laughs> But the original is one of the most horrendous crimes to cinema I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I've not seen it. I've not seen it. Talk me through it. Well, you're very lucky to not have seen it. Now, just to give you um, the background, I love musicals. I was performing Cats mm. the Musical on my stairs in front of my parents and my dad and his um, bewildered-looking army officer friends while I was in a full kit cat leotard at five years old, with ears and tail, slinking down the banister, singing Macavity. I loved Cats. It was the first musical I ever went to see. Blew my mm. mind. It was great. Then it's Tom It's Tom Hooper who directs it, a guy who I don't think is actually okay. a good director. I think he got really lucky with the King's okay. Speech, and then everything else has been mm. just mad. Firstly, they everything's wrong about it. The... the the casting is horrendous. The CGI is awful. Mm. You know, the cats have like human faces, but, uh, and hands. Oh, I've seen stills. I've seen stills. They, they look They have awful. hands. Yeah. And sometimes like, I think there's one time like Judy Dench is wearing her watch. Like, cause they just haven't bothered to take it off. Oh, oh wow. They, uh, <laughs> cats is also, cats is also about the choreography. Like the amazing thing about the, uh, stage show is that you're seeing people singing these incredible notes whilst doing cartwheels live. And you're like, Jesus, how, how are they singing that while doing that physical action? That's amazing. 
So they decided in the mm. film to CGI a bunch of the dancing, which is like, that takes away the the main attraction of Cats. It's just so lazy, it feels like. It's horrendous. The choreographer is a, it says, like from the guy who choreographed Hamilton, the musical. Now, if you don't know if you know Hamilton, the musical, but that is a musical that is famous for I've its- seen it. It's, yeah, so that's famous for its lyrics and its rapping and its wordplay. It's not famous for its choreography. No, they don't really, they're not moving around loads. Yeah. No, they're not. So why would you, with Cats the Musical, a thing about acrobatics, people being cats, being agile, get the one thing from Hamilton that wasn't an important thing? Why would you get the choreographer <laughs> for that? It was such an odd decision. It makes no sense at all. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, no, it makes no sense at all. It's like they just wanted to put a well-known name on the poster. It's exactly that. It's exactly that. James Corden, I think, I'm sure he's been on the, this Desert Island Dicks list before. Many times. He, he's not naturally funny. He's not a funny person. No. <laughs> so him him as Buster for Jones, was, that was awful. Rebel Wilson as Jenny Anydots, horrendous. I'll tell you what, Ian McKellen does Gus the Theatre Cat pretty well. I'll, tell, I'll give Ian McKellen his dues. He does okay. it all right. That's all right. Everything he does, I think, is good. The thing is, with Cats, I want to just know, being a fan growing up, what was your anticipation for the film like? You must have been really looking forward to it. So to be honest, actually, the buzz around it was so bad leading up to it. Okay. Um, there was no one was going, everyone was like in agreement that this is going to be the worst thing ever. It just looked bad. The PR press release images looked bad. I'd heard the reviews that were like, this is the worst thing that's ever been committed to stage, uh, to, to screen. So me and my girlfriend at the time, we, so we went to the cinema to watch it. And it's the only time in the cinema where the entire audience just started talking. Because they just thought, this is so shit, no one's going to care. No one cared. Normally, if someone starts talking in the cinema, people shush them, people chuck the popcorn, you know, they, they get angry. But the whole audience, collectively as one, all went, nah, let's just talk. And, and we all just talked wow. over the thing. It was, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable, yeah. You're on the desert island, right? And you, it's your only source of entertainment. So you're putting it on every now and again just to check if you can get anything from it, you know, concentrate on Ian McKellen. And then you've got Michael Ball turning up and chiming in with some of the songs and singing along. And you know he would as well. You know he'd really try and sing Memory. <laughs> he'd be out there. He'd be out there, like, on the, on the beach, staring out into the ocean. Just going, Midnight. Not a sound from the pavement. Oh. And then the Microsoft paper clip would be like, pavement is spelled P-A-V. Oh. <laughs> no, you bastard. Okay. Cats the Musical is going on the island. Um, and, so, and what's going to be your song choice? My song choice uh, is Hosanna in Excelsis. <laughs> this is very, very good. What a strong choice. Okay, talk me through it. I uh, was a choir boy. As a child, mm. Mm. Um, and I—I I mean, I'm not a religious person at all anymore, and um, I don't like church. But the one thing I did like about church is singing hymns, mm. there, and there mm. are some bangers out there, and there Christmas are, yeah. carols, especially, great. Oh yeah, yeah. The thing is, is that what the reason I selected this song is because obviously this song is—I'm assuming—in my head, it's it's playing on repeat. Mm. for the whole time we're on the, the island. Yeah, yeah. And it's because 
it's got the longest like held syllable note it's that ridiculous. I know of in a it's song. Ridiculous. It's which ridiculous. Is, which is a glory. Wow, well done. <laughs> that was good. That was good. <laughs> I think I think that was the correct amount of time it is, but you just can you imagine? Oh, having that constantly playing at you. Oh, it's such a, no. And no, no, again, no. Michael Ball would be doing riffs. Oh yeah, <laughs> he would be harmonising with it. Yeah, he would badly. Uh, I went to Catholic primary school and secondary school. Um, similarly to you, I um, was brought up like an Irish Catholic family and um, we went to church. We'd go mm. to like Christmas at school. They'd do like masses and they'd have like a Christmas assembly. I've I encountered this song many, many times and you know, I don't follow any religion now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking about it like it's a football team, but um, <laughs> I don't at all. And um, and that's you know that's my own choice. But um, but yeah, it all, it always seemed odd, and especially when you're younger and you're at school and you used to have to sing this song. It just seems so embarrassing, like to be around your friends and just be there doing this song, mm-hmm. singing it along. It was just like. Oh, it gives me it gives me a strange feeling in my stomach yeah. when I think about it. It's 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 also it's one of those because um, of the long note. It's one of those notes who do you know? Do you know in karaoke you never want to have when you, someone sings karaoke yeah. you want to hear someone butcher a song. <laughs> you never want to hear someone who can sort of sing mm. really try and sing. Yes, and this is one of those carols where people who thought who thought they could sing would really try and oh, sing that note. Oh yeah, and you just go, oh, fuck. it's so embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, just like it's 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 cringeable. It's horrible. Yeah, I'm yeah. cringing now. Um, if you're gonna sing it, just shout it. Two excellent choices. Thank you very much. We're nearing the end of your horrific desert island, but finally. I have to ask, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. <laughs> Which animal is it and why? This is going to be so mm. controversial. And I've picked penguins. Yes, an interesting choice. Why? So, so talk me through this. Why the penguin? I'll tell you why. Because penguins are everywhere. They're, every, like, they're everywhere. <laughs> every single, ev- everywhere I look. They are so overdone. Mm. I am so annoyed with penguins. I don't like every every nature documentary. It's always penguins. The march of the penguins. <laughs> bloody Morgan Freeman doing the narration of the penguins. The bloody uh, Madagascar penguins. Happy feet. Then Mr. Popper's penguins. It's like we get it. We get it. People like penguins. And I've I've seen so many penguins now. I just, I can't. I just switch off. I, I, I just, they're too overexposed, too done, too much. Leave me alone. I'd never noticed this before, but you're right. There is a fixation with penguins. They're everywhere. And people love it. They're, oh, there's a penguin. It's like, yeah, have you not seen this for the last 15 years on every program <laughs> you've ever watched? We know. We get it. We get it. They're, they're, they're funny and they waddle around and then they're really agile in the water. We get it. Ah, oh, yeah. They, they look like they're wearing a tuxedo. Yes, I know. I've had this <laughs> for two decades of my life now. Peng- we get it. Penguins are funny. Oh. They're, so, it's just, they're like that dad joke your dad keeps saying at Christmas. Like, yeah, we, we've heard it. We've heard it. Do something else. What's so funny Anything is the else. way you talk about penguins as if they were only invented 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, <laughs> it's like they just came into being or came into the zeitgeist. Pen- Penguins got cool 15 years ago, guys. Come yeah. on. Yeah. But do you know what I mean, though? Do you know when, like, I used to love Blue Planet, um, you know, Earth, Life, all yeah, those DVD yeah, documentaries. Yeah. yeah. But then every yeah. single mm. bloody episode, an iceberg would come in and you're like, oh, here we go. And then a penguin would come around. <laughs> oh, this emperor penguin is looking for a mate. He's got, I'm like, we know. Yeah. We, know. we know. It's the That's same it. thing you showed us last time. Let me guess. He's gonna get in the oh. he's gonna get in the water, and a seal's gonna chase him, and he'll just escape. Apart from the personal annoyance of penguins, <laughs> I would say there's another element here that we should discuss. In which you're thinking about the island more literally. You're here with this group of people, and this whole situation that you've set up, and the penguins are there, and there's a lot of penguins, and you've been there a while, and you've managed to. You've managed to start a fire and you're sat around and you're you're like very, very hungry. And you're thinking, I need to eat. And this is a potential avenue, right? If you eat meat or even even if oh. you're vegetarian or vegan, by that point, you want to eat something, yes. right? And you're thinking, there's an awful lot of like very fatty looking birds around. I'm not sure I could bring myself to kill a penguin. So, uh, so this, I, I actually did write this down. That is the other side of the argument. Okay. I hate penguins. But if you love, people who love penguins love penguins they do yeah and that may and that means you'd have to try you then have to kill and eat a penguin which you wouldn't like either so love them or hate them it's a lose-lose it's so true it's so true uh, although if you do uh pick their wing up they have a joke uh written on <laughs> <them. laughs> See, fun. that's the level of <laughs> I hate myself. So. No, no, no. I'll see it in your next um, in your next comedy show. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you can keep that one. Oh, that's great. Penguins are an excellent choice. A very annoying animal to have on the island. Also, I think penguins would be an annoying height of animal to have everywhere on the island. They'd be like, it's like, it's like, it's like how it, how tall is a penguin? Well, I think it'd be like having a, an island of moving bollards. <laughs> are they that tall? Do you know what I mean? They're, but some of them, I think, maybe they're a bit small. Well, uh, maybe they're not quite the size of a bollard, but I think it's about the size of a bollard. So I, I think... Um, that's, a, that's big. Okay. To be honest, I can't remember the last time I actually met a penguin in, in the flesh. So I don't know. <laughs> no, I can't I mean, I mean, I, There aren't many um, kicking around um, Borough Market at the moment. No, but, yeah, I imagine. But yeah, so I think, I think they'd be annoying to bump into. Penguins are going to be animal choice. Tom, I think you've put together the perfect island hellscape for yourself and I think, thank you, because this is my first podcast back in the game and um, you've made it very enjoyable. Oh. So thank you very much for that. It's, uh, it's been an honour to be your first guest back. Congratulations on your return. Thank you, sir. Um, Tom, what are you doing at the minute? Where can people find you? I know that you've got a podcast, and, and considering we've spoken about um, we've spoken about stately homes and your nakedness, <laughs> we should probably talk about the podcast first, right? Uh, yes. So I do have a podcast. It's about the secret scandals and sauciness and uh, debauchery and horror that goes on inside stately homes and manor houses yeah. and castles, and it's called Bad Manners. And it's all available on all podcasts. Interesting. Uh, channels. So what kind of stuff, what kind of stuff can, can people find on there? What kind of things have you uncovered recently? We, uh, I mean, we've done everything from sort of you know, haunted castles to, you know, like um, Chillingham Castle in uh, in Northumbria, which is the most haunted castle, got loads of torture devices. Um, 
how people were tortured inside the castle, to the Hellfire Caves, which was a secret satanic sex cult that um, happened in High Wycombe. So it, it, it's, it's very ranging. It, it gets quite scandalous. A satanic sex cult is like, that's pretty mad. Okay. The podcast sounds great. Um, and I'll, I'll be checking that out and everyone else should as well. Um, and Thank then you. as far as your stand-up uh, goes, uh, where can people see you? Yes, so on Instagram and TikTok, I'm at Honourable Tom. Uh, my website is www.honouraboletom.com. And then I am going to be on tour doing my new show, It's Not Ideal, in Europe in January. Then February, March, April, I'm doing, uh, I think, about 60 dates across the UK and Ireland. Amazing, amazing. Okay, well, I yeah. urge everyone to go and uh, get tickets and go and see Tom at their local venue. Tom, again, I'll say thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on Desert Island Dicks. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, James. Thank you for having me. 